Hi to everyone, today we are in Mallorca with Trevor Gordon Hall that just arrived from Madrid. Welcome to Steel and Nylon Podcast. My name is Tanousu Luis and I'm a fingerstyle and classical guitar player from Spain and I would like to share with you some guitar experience thanks to friends that I'm finding around the world with super high guitar skills. Trevor Gordon Hall has been rated as one of the top 30 guitarists in the world under 30 years of age by Acoustic Guitar Magazine, performing at many historic places including Corney Hall in New York, Union Chapel in London or the Great Wall in China. He has also had the opportunity to share the stage with some big names in the music business, prompting high praise from John Mayer, Steve Miller, Will Ackerman, Pat Martino, Stanley Jordan, Phil Kigi, Tommy Manuel, Andy McKee, and many more. So, welcome Trevor. I know that is your very first time here in Mallorca. How do you feel? I feel great. I'm a little <laughs> jet-lagged from just uh, the the routing on this, on this tour is... Um, uh, a little crazy with trains and planes and everything, but but I feel I feel good. I'm really really excited to be here. Where have you been yesterday? Yesterday I was in Madrid. Nice. And the day before that I was in Istanbul. Not bad. <laughs> and the day before that I was in Philadelphia. So okay. <laughs> so it's been so quite a. Your brain is about to explode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bravo. I know that the, in many cases the family music context is extremely important. Yeah. To grow up uh, as a musician, because. It is like uh, playing music or an instrument is so no not so normal in your life. How was your childhood in Philadelphia? I uh, I moved to Philadelphia when I was in high school, um, but I grew up in upstate New York, mm -hmm. and I don't have any musicians in the family. Uh huh. Nobody. My okay. mom played a little bit of piano, but it was just like reading. You know, mm -hmm. she would just read, but she she wouldn't sit down to play for the joy of it. It was just, you know, when she had to read. She played a little bit of guitar years ago, but... Um, yes, a few. Just a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I don't know what it was when I was around maybe seven or eight years old. I begged my parents to buy me a guitar. Mm -hmm. And they didn't want to buy a guitar and then I didn't play it the classic you know parents buy a guitar they get a case they get a strap everything and then the kid never touches it yes they didn't want that so they said play piano first because so we I, had the piano yeah so we had the piano in the house so I, I you know my mom would teach me the um, the method book you know I'd sit down and I'd read uh, and one one of my favorite things uh, at the piano as a kid was actually just picking up melodies uh -huh. that was something that was really fascinating to me but practicing this stuff in the book I just never enjoyed by ear yeah mm -hmm. and so then I um, then I went from that and I said can I get a guitar yet and my parents said um, why don't you pick uh, an instrument for a school band so I played trumpet <laughs> and I hated it and I was really bad at it and I didn't want to practice and I, for some reason I just always wanted guitar guitar was like the cool instrument And so, right around the time I was 10, I built a guitar myself. You built Yeah, so it was like fishing line and uh, on this piece of wood, <laughs> and I painted pickups on it, and I made this guitar pick out of a piece of plastic. And so did they say, okay, I will do this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were like, okay, this looks like this is something that will stick. So I ended up borrowing a guitar from a neighbor, and then that Christmas, that was during the summer when I was uh, 10, and then that Christmas they bought me... Um, a starter guitar uh -huh. and I mean from the very beginning I remember the very first day I sat down with my guitar 
I I did not get up until I could play a whole song all the way through, just single notes. And then I remember the feeling that I got when I played my first, it was like an E minor, when I could finally get all of the notes ringing without any of the buzzing, you know, when I could get it ringing free. And that feeling was like one of the most exhilarating feelings. And to this day, I always want to try to keep what that initial wonder was. And I've heard other musicians talk about this over the years, and I think it's true. Whenever you're playing, it's very easy to progress past the point of initial enjoyment. Mm -hmm. So I love the sound of what an E E minor felt like. So I want to make sure that in every period of my music that I keep that kind of enjoyment and wonder alive. So because I had to work so hard to get to convince my parents to get a guitar. Once I got it, I was so happy to get it. <laughs> and uh, and the rest is history. I mean, just every single day, I, I just, like, I love it. It's guitar for me is, uh, I always explain it this way, that, um, you know, I uh, guitar for me is kind of like a central meeting place of all the other interests and roles in life mm-hmm. that I fulfill. Okay. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a husband, I'm a father... Uh, you know, I'm a guitar teacher. Before, like all of the many things, or, or you know, the books that I'm reading or, or movies that I'm watching, guitar and music for me were always the way to sort of like connect. Like all a recording. Exactly, everything kind of came comes comes together into guitar. So guitar is like my way of really making sense of my life. And uh, I think because I didn't have any other musicians growing up, I didn't have another example to follow. So I was always just kind of like look inside, try to, f- what, what is my own path? Yourself. What's myself, yeah. yeah. So you didn't study with any teacher later? I did, or? yeah, I did. So I, uh, my first year was self-taught, and then I went to a music store uh, for about a year, and then I went from there to another school of music, and I studied, um, I did a lot more note reading there, and I moved uh, after New York, then I moved down to the Philadelphia area, And I started studying with another guy that got into classical. And then my final teacher, I was with the longest, about six years, um, my freshman year of high school, he was a college professor, and I just started studying with him. Nice. And so it was kind of, I was very honored to be, you know, uh, under, uh, you know, being able to study with him. And he, you know, one week he would give me Villalobos. Nice. The next week he'd give me Coltrane. Okay. And then Alan Holdsworth. And then Bach. So, so important he, to... He just did it. an open mind. Yeah, exactly. You, exactly. Right? He was always about, like, not telling me to pick a tradition and follow it. He was always, al- like, allowing me to explore. Like, well, you know, Alan Holdsworth has this concept that might help you in your understanding of this over here. And he was always encouraging, encouraging me to write my own stuff. And I grew up listening to Wyndham Hill and Michael Hedges and so fingerstyle guitar was always what I wanted to do uh-huh. so he was very good at not forcing me in any direction he just gave me a buffet of options opportunity to opportunities to just grow and I love that because Michael Hedges used to always say he was a hunter-gatherer he was always hunting down other genres and gathering something to bring it into his uh-huh. and I experienced that growing up before I heard Hedges say that my teacher helped me live that, to be a hunter-gatherer. What do I love about this genre? What do I love about this? And it was always integrating into my own path. Like a fusion. Yeah. Because I know it's easy, like, when I was given jazz for the first time, 
I remember sitting down thinking, unless I abandon everything and just focus on this, I'm not going to master this. I'm not going to get to the bottom of it. And I remember early on, I don't, I don't remember how old I was, probably maybe 15, 16. I remember thinking, I'm not going to be able to master this. So I'm going to pick what really appeals and I'm going to try to study what I, as much as I can, but integrate it into my own path, not mm. feel like I have to join that tradition. And that was a really healthy thing. I have a lot of friends who graduated from music school all these years later and they talk about how, you know, teachers in education force them into one direction. If you're going to do jazz, you've got to go full steam ahead. And my teacher was always like, take what you like. Learn it. Learn your theory. But, you know, dabble around. It's okay. And, and I think all these years later, that's really helped me um, kind of focus on what is, what is my project? What is my contribution? What do I want to say? As opposed to just being another you know, player in a certain genre, you know? Yeah, sometimes it's like an internal fight when you cannot achieve right. this, that the... Because it's like a, we admire many people, no? Yeah. This is the level, no? That we yeah. want to reach. Yeah. So this was really healthy. Yeah. I, I, I read... Um, there's a great book called uh, Effortless Mastery. Yes. Which I, is a great book. And I think... Um, I think Miles Davis said in that something like, you know, every, the greatest musicians in history didn't play in any other style but their own. And that stuck with me early on because I, you know, once, once you discover another guitar player and then this other style of music, you're like, oh my gosh, I got to learn how to do this. I got to learn how to do this. And it sort of helped me clear the path to just say, enjoy it for what it is. Take what you can get from another player, but don't feel like you have to be them. Yes, you know, and yes, I'm in fingerstyle guitar. That's kind of my my home genre. But fingerstyle guitar, in its essence, is a mix of styles. Of course, it's not course. a genre. It's not a... it's it's like you you can bring absolutely everything into it, and that's what I love about it. It's a very open, and and I hope that the future of fingerstyle guitar will continue to do that, and not just you know guitar players listening to each other and then the the Everyone scene closes the, yeah then the, the scene same. closes in yeah. you know i don't want that because the essence of fingerstyle is hunting something in a different area bringing it into uh into and fingerstyle is just the name for that yeah. um that that blend of styles i believe so yeah it's like a contemporary acoustic guitar yeah. absolutely super mm, another question Uh, did you have a kind of a mentor on your career, or I mean, someone that you were like following with respect, or someone that guided you uh, with good advice? You spoke already about your teacher, yeah. Hedges, but yeah, my my teacher, um, his name was Don Reese, and to this day, he uh, is an ever present uh, inspiration. I I recall things and lessons from years ago that I didn't get at the time. That I'm like. That's what he meant. You know, uh -huh. now I, things click. He was such a great communicator, and, and and that was really helpful for me. Once I got like, after you get uh, kind of a path where you want to go, you got uh, the music that you want to play, and you kind of you know I kind of felt like I was on my way to the music that I wanted to play. Then the music business side comes in, and you have to figure that out. And so I've had um, some people that have like helped me a little bit along the way. Um, Andy McKee's great guitar player mm -hmm. and and uh, 
we've had some great talks. Like, you know, I'd run some things past him. What do you think? Does this sound like, you know, so that's been helpful for me. Um, and uh, some other people in the genre that I grew up listening to, a guy named Will Ackerman. Uh-huh. Um, he started, he originally signed Michael Hedges, Did when he started Wyndham Hill Records. And, uh, you know, uh, he's he's really, really, really helped shape me a bunch too. Um, How old business? The business side is, like, a lot of it is trial and error. Mm-hmm. A lot of it I've just had to, like, learn. You know, you don't... It's not about the music anymore. It's no, like, it's so like this whole, that, it's this whole other thing. That, yeah. and, and I understand when people get burned out completely and they just want to do the music thing. And I, I totally get that. But there's a different enjoyment in me. You know, I have on this tour, this is Turkey. I started in Turkey and then I'm here in Spain with you guys and then I go to Portugal. And there's something really satisfying about meeting you guys and doing it without an agent or manager or a label you know like there's something satisfying to me about b- being sort of uh, like in control of the business yeah business. yeah so what when i have the failures they really hurt because you know i put my heart and soul into this but when you get a win when i when i have those good tours and the, and the good gigs and and good opportunities and and playing with some really awesome you know people Uh, I really get to enjoy that because it's like it was I fought for it. it I did it I did it yeah. yeah this is nice okay um, Trevor is a really chameleonic musician <laughs> because, musician sorry because he really fits in any style <laughs> but mostly everybody knows him because of the Kalimbatar mm-hmm. could you explain a bit uh, how did you arrive to develop this instrument um Another question also. Do you have any relation with Africa? Oh, that's a good question. I, I don't have any roots with Africa, and I didn't grow up listening to any African music. What I loved was the sound of the kalimba when I first heard it. And the kalimba is more of a percussion instrument. It's mm-hmm. very old. It's about a thousand years old. And um, each... So I was reading that uh, when the Portuguese explorers made it to Africa, I think in the 14th century, they found that every village had a slightly different version of the kalimba mm-hmm. with different tunings based around their spiritual traditions and their and their folk songs. And so from the beginning, the kalimba was about change. It was about taking the concept, you know, it's the, the, the wood or the metal or... Uh, um, And making it fit the music that you want to play. And so when I first heard the kalimba, I thought, that is so fascinating. And this guy had a couple different kalimbas. It was at the uh, Philadelphia Art Museum. There was an African exhibit. And so I started researching on the internet for kalimbas. I wanted to find some. And then I started thinking, I'm gonna, I want to build one. Because I couldn't find the tuning that I wanted. What you wanted. Yeah, and the shape. And so... I hunted down all different kalimbas and even like the metal for the tines themselves. I eventually, you know, cut them and shaped them and and it was pretty in depth. And um, when I I finished one, I started the project with Martin guitar, and then I went to another uh, great luthier named um, Mike Haney, mm-hmm. and then from there I, I finished it with Sheldon Schwartz in Canada. And once I got done, it was two octaves chromatic. And it was less of a percussion sound. Now it was more melodic. 
because like the, a piano exactly it wasn't like a ding 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 it was ding ding and that's what I wanted that sound there is something related with the vibration that makes yeah. you feel so good with this instrument yeah yeah there, it, it does uh, the ringing metal I love that uh, mm. hand bells or you know wind chimes or something about a, a ringing metal that I loved and after I got done um, with the instrument Then I discovered about the story about the Portuguese explorers. And then I thought, this is really cool that I didn't have a connection to Africa. And I have a lot of reverence for those traditions. But I was right in line with the spirit of the, the, the kalimba, um, the lamellophone. I was right in, in, uh, um, in line with the spirit of that tradition to take the idea and to adjust the, the shape and everything to get to the music that you want to play. Mm -hmm. And that was a really cool thing when I discovered that, that I'm, you know, um, hoping to merge maybe some of the kalimba traditions with some of the fingerstyle guitar and, and just see what happens. Nice. Do you know that the, I'm from Canary Island? It's really close to Africa. Mm. And we have an instrument that I have never thought about before, but it's like a bass, but actually it's a kalimba. I've seen those. So You sit on it, right? Or uh, is it... No, it, this is more like a cajon okay okay flamenco okay. but this one it has just the tonic and the fifth ah, so it's for folk music yeah so you have like a bass but it's, yeah. it's like a huge kalimba that's amazing yes yes, yes. that's amazing to, to take a look I haven't seen one up close I was someday I hope to experience <laughs> <laughs> next time Canary Island yes okay yes. super um, okay Mm, what is your for you a must on your gear when you have to tour as you are doing now? Tell us about uh, your setup uh, when you have to travel as light as possible. That this yeah, is so yeah. important. It is because there's a lot of you know I see some guys that travel with the uh, the huge pedal boards and man that's I don't I don't know how they get around doing that. I I, I wanted to like I used to have one of those and then when I started flying more. I, tr I decided I want to fit everything I need in a backpack, yeah. in a backpack. And so that right around that time is when all these guitar companies started, all these pedal companies started making the tiny pedals, the nanos. The nanos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I got a whole bunch of those, and um, I would go on eBay uh -huh. and I would buy a pedal and try it out. And if I didn't like it, I'd send it back, get a new one. And so I kind of like did enough revolving of pedals on my board till I found this. Uh, the best Perfect. versions, yeah. Um, and I made my own pedal board. It's it's just uh, like a plastic with some Velcro. So I'll tell you, you're a builder. Yeah, I'm builder. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I I like that because it's and and I wanted it to fit the dimensions right, you know, in a backpack. But this the the gear that I'm using is the radial PZ Pre Tone Bone. I love that. I had I was using um, the pre the preamp. Yeah, the preamp. Okay. I was using one before. I was I was playing in uh, Ohio with another great guitar player named uh, Craig D'Andrea, uh -huh. and yes. the right before sound check, I plugged everything in, and the building was hit by lightning. So my preamp fried, and so Craig's okay. Craig. So for that night, I had to plug into. He had a tone bone. I plugged my guitar into it for the show, and I was like. This is it. I've never heard a preamp sound like this. My guitar was so clean, and, and so I, I, I use those. I love those. And then I have um, 
the Digitech Polera reverb, mm-hmm. which is le- the uh, the lexicon algorithms in a pedal form, and I love those. So I have two of those, one with like a real short reverb and then one with a really big reverb. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the Digitech Obscura, which is a delay echo, um, ditto looper. So a couple of a couple of effects that will give me some nice ambient sounds. It must be, yeah. And then yeah, effects loop through the radial. And I feel like that that combination of gear mixed with in my guitar, I have the K and K pure mini mm-hmm. um, and then the mini flex two mic system. I feel like all of that together with my Schwartz guitar is like This is your sound. Yeah, I feel like this is the sound that I've been looking for for so long. And with that gear, almost every PA that I plug into every night, every room, there's it sounds the same. There's like a consistency, and I it's like not that. that. You have to adapt uh, to the yeah. Vibe. Sometimes I have to like adjust, maybe turn the highs up a little bit if a sound mm-hmm. system is a little dark. Because the guitar that I have is a little bit of a darker, deeper sound, mm-hmm. which I like. But sometimes I have to turn the highs up. But usually, um, that's what you want to do. Like when you're on yes. the hunt for good gear, you want to find the thing that gives you the chills. What's that sound that makes you go? Oh, and figure out a way to get that as many times as possible whenever you play. How long did it take to you? To a couple of years. A couple of years. couple of years. And with, my, with another guitar, it may be different. I might have to start this process yeah, over course. again. But at least for the project that I'm doing, the sounds that I, you know, everything that I want to create right now, this is the ideal setup. Yeah, you have already the sound in your brain. Yep. So yep. easier now, no? Yeah. Well, well. Hmm... <laughs> We are almost finishing. <laughs> you are part of the first Candy Rat generation, let's say. Mm-hmm. Bit by bit, I've been meeting personally young musicians as you, Manali Jamal, 24, mm-hmm. or Jimmy Wolstein. Mm-hmm. And you have, all of you, you have something in common, is that you are real fighters <laughs> and workers. How is a normal day in your life? And what I... What I mean, I, I'm asking about the productivity. Productivity, like yeah. how do I practice? What kind of things I, or how do I structure my day? Yes. Yeah. So uh, I have gone back and forth on this. I feel like um, right now. So I have a, uh, a daughter who's about to turn three, mm-hmm. and when she's in the house, um, I have to practice whenever whenever she's sleeping, basically. You know, so. I've never been a morning person, but I forced myself now to actually wake up really early so in the morning. Difficult. Yeah, so it is difficult. I tried to go to bed a little earlier, and I bought an alarm clock. I got it on eBay that simulates the sunrise. Okay. So, like, a half hour before your alarm goes off, it, like, sh- turns this light on and then, like, increases by 1% every 30 seconds or something <laughs> until you get to your alarm. So it, like... It, instead of like you know so a you, phone alarm that scares you, you felt away. that out about this. <laughs> I did because I was like I've had such a hard time waking up as early in the morning. What I'm going to do? I want to try to. F- I just bought this alarm clock to see if it would, w- it would work. And now, f- so for the last two years, I, I wake up. <laughs> I wake up around four, well, and then I, I work from four to eight about, and then uh, my daughter gets up around that time. This is the power of love. <laughs> Well, it's, it's, it's because I don't have any other time to do it. And I was talking to a friend recently who I was telling... I feel like I've always had a hard time with personal discipline in my playing. You know, I get really disciplined for a while, and then I feel like I, you know, lose, lose it, and I have to take a break or whatever. And 
I said, you know, so I've been getting up really early to practice. And he's like, that is the definition of discipline. And I was like, oh, (laughs) you know, in my mind, some days it's really hard to get out of bed. And other days it's like, I can't wait to start practicing. Uh Um, But what I found is that working from four to eight in the morning for me, um, if I can keep going with this workflow, I like it because I feel like I can focus in in a a way that I've never been able to before. Um, so I have kind of like a meditation routine. I do a little bit of reading nice. and then um, some hand exercises. And then I, you know, plan my practice schedule, what I'm going to work on that day. And then bas- excuse me, basically go until about eight. And then from there, I take my daughter to the gym. <laughs> uh, we go to the gym and sometimes we'll go to uh, a local library for story time. And I, I, so I spend a lot of time with my daughter. My wife works um, another job and so I watch my daughter when I'm home and uh, and then I kind of the rest of the day is like around her we get to spend a lot of time together and then when she goes down for a nap that's in the afternoon and that's when I'm booking gigs and you know contacting and and uh, keeping up on you know that's kind of the, the rest of the many hats because I'm doing like I'm kind of functioning as my own label and management booking and, and all of that stuff as well as keeping up on pr- playing working on new projects so I kind of like structure my day in little I can work on things in little pockets of time and then usually later in the day sometimes I'll teach some guitar lessons either uh-huh. on Skype or um, I was teaching at a university for a little while um, so that's kind Which of university? the schedule is a university called the University of Valley Forge it was in uh, outside of Philadelphia and they and, have uh, a acoustic guitar there. They have acoustic guitar there. I just stopped. This was, this was my final semester. Um, I just submitted the grades. I just stopped there. Um, it's getting a little too hard to keep up on that with everything else and mm-hmm. the travel stuff. Uh, so, so a typical day for me is usually uh, trying to do guitar and you know meditation and doing that first it's really balanced because you do everything you you have your part of as a musician the meditation is good for your health you go to the gym with your daughter yep. you take care of the daughter yeah you read books yeah you book your gigs yeah i have to continue i notice that like when i'm stressed and i'm not meditating it affects my tone when i play it affects my sense of rhythm i rush the beat You know, like, there's something that, you know, like I said, guitar is kind of like the unifying thing in my life. So I have to really try to make peace with all of the stresses I have going on in my life because those come out in my playing. Of course. You know, so that's that's been really important to me the last few years to really, how do I stay grounded? And I, I went to school for philosophy, theology, mm-hmm. that was my education. And so how do I keep myself ignited in studying those concepts because that keeps my guitar playing ignited. You know, if I feel stale in a certain area of my life, then my guitar playing feels stale. It's kind of all, it's connected. It's all yeah. all connected. It's really important, the meditation. Uh, every time I listen more and more people, because yeah. if not, you get crazy, no? You yeah. have this time to just slow down <laughs> your yep. brain. Yep. Because especially you that uh, you are like, taking this uh, small time with this and then you change and then you change yeah yeah it really helps with attention span and just um, you know breathing exercises and just 
to be able to be present. Like I notice it when I'm performing, if I'm nervous, um, you know, oh, I know this section is coming up, you know, when I'm, you know, really good with my meditation routine, it allows me to actually be present with all of the notes that I'm playing and not really thinking ahead or behind, just like really following. Being in the moment. Yeah, being in the moment. Yeah. I get to listen along with the audience. And those are the performances that feel most connected to me. So, yeah. yeah. I like this feeling. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great feeling. Yes. Actually, in Spain, we are experimenting a good moment, good moment with the acoustic guitar. Because there are more players, mm -hmm. more concerts and workshops than ever. Any advice for the new generation that are going to listen this pod this podcast, I hope? <laughs> I, I, like One thing that was really helpful for me that I heard years ago was play what you would want to listen to. Nice. And it's a simple idea, and, and it's one of those ideas that was hidden in plain sight. When someone said that to me, I was like, oh, of course. And then I was like, oh, okay, that makes a big difference. And especially now in the YouTube, uh, Instagram, very video-heavy world. I'm on all of those platforms, and I believe in them totally. But don't create something that you think will be visually appealing. Create something that you would want to listen to. Because then that forces every musical decision to be something that you believe in and you're connected to. And I think a, a, another idea that goes along with that, this was from an author um, that I heard years ago, that uh, what is most personal is most universal. So like when you can write something that is as honest as possible with yourself, those are the sounds that will connect most to other people. Does that make sense? So don't aim to go out and impress everyone with uh, a catchy video. That can be cool at first, but like really, really take the time to dig in, listen to a lot of great players, and really try to figure out what it is that you respond to in music. What do you love? And integrate that. Play what you would want to listen to. This is a good one. Thank you. Sure. You spoke before a bit, uh, about the Mastery... How was it? Effortless, Effortless Mastery. Mastery. Yeah, yeah. This is a really good book. That's a great I always book. Uh, ask about books and albums. Uh, yeah. So... That we can uh, feed our minds and ears. Yeah. Uh, well, Effortless Mastery is a really good one. I, I keep coming back to that from time to time. Um, I have this, uh, this really great, this is nerdy, but I have a really great philosophy textbook called The Great Conversation uh -huh. um, that I got when I was in college. And what I love about philosophy is, and even framing the title of the book, The Great Conversation, is just... That's what it's been, a dialogue of centuries. What, what does it mean to be alive? What does it mean to be human? What does, it, what does meaning and purpose, where does that come from? How do you create that? How do you respond to it? Uh, that book kind of connects me. I, I go back through that from time to time. Just it, It's a good summary of all the different thinkers. Um, and that helps me because you know the arts were always in step with what the thought of the day was. And so for me, if I stay connected to my studies in, you know, the philosophy, theology uh, stuff, um, that helps me stay ignited musically. So it's important to find other interests that you have to write music about. Mm -hmm. um, Michael Hedges used to say that, that like, you know, some days he would just not practice 
or, or go a couple days because he would have a, a life experience and if he was playing all the time, he'd have nothing to write about. So it's important to, to, to again, you know, whatever the book is or the idea or a movie or like, you know, take time to really invest in a rich inner life. Find things that inspire you because that's what becomes the fuel for your playing and your composition. Um, so Effortless Mastery, The Great Conversation. Um, I'm trying to think the most recent. I'm always reading like, uh, there's a great book from Paul Davies. He's a physicist. Um, I think the University of Arizona now he's from Australia, but it was called The Mind of God. And it was kind of like, you know, talking about Stephen Hawking's ideas mm -hmm and uh, how they relate to contemporary physics. Um, I don't understand anything about the math in physics, but I like reading people who write at a popular level about what physics is yeah, doing right now. Idea. It's really, really fascinating. Um, re most recently, I've been just really into podcasts. Like, podcasts are a really good way to get... You know, I, I went through, like, all the YouTube lectures. I love that. But now podcasts, like when I'm flying, when I'm running, you know, or if I'm doing some finger exercises, some, you know, just training muscle memory, throw on a podcast. Uh, that's been really helpful for me. Because actually, uh, I, as a musician, we are really audi auditive person. So we yeah. learn even faster sometimes. No? Yeah. Yeah. Good, really good. And uh, what about uh, an album or music? Uh? Yeah, so I, I put my last project was an all electric guitar electronic nice. you know which was just a nice kind of you know step in another direction i just recorded a record that is electric guitar acoustic guitar and strings and piano with a singer songwriter named tom cameron from london i just recorded that so that's being mixed and then i'm doing an album with will ackerman we're doing some duets um uh so that's going to be this summer and then I'm getting another guitar built from Sheldon Schwartz, and then my next album, I'm hopefully going to record that this year or early next year. Um, that will be a whole record of just guitar, no kalimba. It's just going to be, and no percussion, just straight okay. up melody and harmony. Like getting. Pure. It's, yeah, it's a yeah, very pure. pure. And not because I'm like a, a total purist, like I love, I love all sounds, but oh, I've, needed, rest, yeah, I've needed to return to like, okay, like what. How can, can I make magic happen with just a guitar and not rely on all of the other stuff? Um, so that's been kind of a unique challenge to me. And because um, I have a workspace now uh, that uh, it's kind of a separate building from the house from my house where I live um, that got constructed and, and that just got finished in December. So I have a separate space to go to. But since I've been doing my early morning hours, I didn't have that space. So I would just be playing in the house, and I had to be real quiet mm -hmm. because my daughter's sleeping upstairs. So you enjoyed that time? Yeah. You stuff. I enjoyed that, and the limitation of having to not be too loud, because I wasn't doing percussion, it really forced me to think, okay, let's just, let's just focus on harmony. Okay, what is the bass line doing? Like really getting into more of the polyphonic um, mm -hmm. counterpoint and all of that. So that was a lesson to me as well as whatever limitation you have thrown at you in life, be creative with it. And that, so that was really fun. And it's now very I have positive. Yeah, it's very positive. Whatever yeah. whatever situation you're in, make the most of it. And I did. And so this next record is kind of a lot of those, you know, being a father and, and for the first time and, and like 
there's a whole lot of stuff that's going in. So I, I'm excited to get that project out. That's that's my heart is on that right now. So I, I hope that comes out. I soon. hope you are the best. Thank you very much. Thank you. This is a pleasure. <laughs> See you soon. See you soon. Bye. <laughs>